I was thinking this morning, um, do you ever wonder uh, on Sunday, which as it goes around the globe, what the Lord has each different con- conversation he's trying to speak to every different con- congress- congregation? And then what would it be like if he said, this is what I want the whole church in the world to focus on this week? Um, I don't know why I think about these things, but sometimes it just um, encourages me to know that there's a wave offering that goes around, not a stadium, but around the world, you know, for, in worship for, for the Lord. Um, and, sure there's lots of things you'd like to say. Yes, and so now is our, our turn, yeah. what he has to say. And interesting about the power of the Holy Spirit, what comes out of my mouth might be what he's saying to you. But it may be something else that I read. Well, we're going to read Psalm 27 uh, this morning um, and see. I know what the Lord has spoken to me about, but it may be t- totally different for you. But if you would turn to that, <clears throat> and let's pray. Father, this is our time to meet with you. And Lord, uh, we're faithful throughout the week to, to come to you and you speak to us and cause us to read things and to hear things and to think about things. But today we've gathered together. So I pray you'd speak to us, Father. Lord, as your spirit pleases, whether it be something that's spoken by me or something that's reinforced by your spirit or something that in this particular psalm you bring to the heart of a person that needs to hear that today. And so we just look to you, Father. You're so faithful. So we ask, Father, that you would give us our bread today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 27, a psalm of fearless trust in God. We have that every day, all day long, no matter the situation, right? <laughs> I just see a smiles, but not so much confidence with smiles. And we're going to see that, honestly, even though David speaks that, um, every day wasn't fearless, fearless trust for him. So let's read this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. 
and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you did say, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So this, this psalm is a psalm of cheerful hope. It's well fitted for those that are in trial and have learned to lean upon God. Um, there are lots of ways it's divided. Um, as many as people have opinions, it seems like. But um, there, I've got two here. One divides it into four parts. One divides it into two parts. Um, the four-part one talks about the first three verses, which David basically says is his sure confidence in God. Um, and ours, too, when things are fine. And in verses 4 through 6, talks about his love of communion with God. And then, as I've read this thing, it just seems like such a turn in verses 7 through 12 where he enters into prayer. Um, and then the last two verses, uh, he just acknowledges the sustaining power of faith and encourages others to follow that example. There's another uh person that divides this into two parts the first part being verses one through six which basically is joyous and jubilant and the last part which is a little bit more plaintive and like realistic about living in life i personally like the first one because it's a psalm it's a song and it seems to have more movement to it um you know, it starts off really kind of what I would call a bright note and moves into a place of where um, would be like if it was a symphony or something. It'd be this long thing of, of telling the story of what yet to be desired uh, and then dr seems to drop into this serious place of pry crying and desperation and yet ending with uh, coaching himself back to the confidence that he has in God. Um, as I was reading this, um, the, the song has so much in it. That's why I say we all get different things out of all, all, all 17 verses. There's verses that jump out to people. 
this is what I needed to hear today. And um, because it just covers life, really. Life is not clear sailing all the time. It's um, It's got some bumps in it, doesn't it? Some big bumps and some big valleys. Uh, some things that are actually just mountains that we that were challenged to, to scale and, and, and conquer. And yet, um, David has this confidence in God, you know, in the face of his enemies. Um, and yet, he realizes there's something missing. You know, he says, okay, what I really want is to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's where I really would like to be. And I'd like to be there all the time. Um, so it's that communion. And I think for anybody, we can identify that when, when God has become your light and your salvation, that is your desire. You want to be in that place of communion. Um, but then we find ourselves the, the want to and the doing, um, doesn't necessarily line up like we'd like for it to. Um, I don't know about you, but it's easy not to be. You know, if, if I don't have my quiet time in the morning, I'm promising God all day long that in the evening we will, and then I'm really tired. And and it, if 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 I do, it's like okay, I'm going to go through the motions. It's like you're just wanting to check it off rather than commune. And so I, I feel like in this verse seven through twelve. Um, David is like, okay, I know what I want, and I'm going to begin to ask you for it. And, oh, it, it's not coming right away. You know, we, we want this presence of God, and we say, okay, we're here. And after about four minutes, it's like, oh, you know, I've got to work at this. I've got to wait. Well, wait a minute. I only have uh, so much time here. God, so you, you know, you need to come on, let's, let's have, get this over with. And, you know, David is, he's got this tension in his life, um, where, where he has this great desire, but he doesn't seem to have this staying power to see it fulfilled. Uh, but in the end, he just really encourages himself that it's going to happen. Um, so, that is just a preface. That's really not what I want to talk about today. But it's the context. This whole psalm, if you look at it, it's all, on both sides there is trouble. David's got war and he's got, he's unsure about, you know, whether God's angry with him and how to walk through this and he wants his presence and those things are just you know, he's not seeing the fulfillment of what he says is the heart, his heart's desire. Um, so, you know, I want to, um, if you'll permit me, I'm going to read the psalm again uh, in a different translation, in New Living Translation. It's a little bit uh, plainer English, and um, so maybe a, bit, a little bit easier to understand. And for anybody who... Um, English is not their second language. This is a better chance for you to kind of grasp what this particular psalm uh, is trying to say. And then we'll kind of get on to the, the point that I personally want to make, at least what I've been uh, feeling like the Lord's speaking to me, and uh, enough speaking to me that I think he wants to remind us all about it. So New Living Translation, this is, this is Psalm 27. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple, for he will conceal me when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I think we sung that earlier today, first song, I believe. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along a right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So, you've heard this twice. What stands out to you? Patience, the last word, that's usually what I remember, the last word. I think of that word as perseverance. Mm-hmm. One way of looking at it is patience, but another way of seeing it is the will and determination to persevere. That requires That requires staying power, doesn't it? Anybody else? Not being afraid. Yes, I think we've all been afraid at times, but not being afraid. God's gotten It makes a difference, doesn't it? When things don't go like your schedule says it should, you you know there's a sovereign person that has his eyes on you. Yes. Let me expand on that. Not being afraid, not in the sense of my own strength, but not being afraid to continue in God's truth, although the world is going the opposite direction. Right. 
This psalm is great. The whole psalm is a message about that. But we're not going to talk about those things today. We're going to talk about what I feel like is the hinge verse of this psalm. And it's verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold, to gaze upon the beauty or the delightfulness of the Lord, and to meditate and inquire in his temple. I agree. Well, I feel good now. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about the beauty of the Lord. Um, when I first read it, I said, wow, that is a great Lord. I, and then I said, well, I need to start looking at what the Bible has to say about the beauty of the Lord. There's not a lot in there. I mean, they use a lot of other words, but, you know, I, I began to think about it. I read some stuff and I thought, and the conclusion that a lot of people had and I came to is the reason is, not a lot of people have really seen the beauty of the Lord. I can give you, we'll, I'll give you one example later, but um, I think we get glimpses of it, but to see, we, and we see the beauty of a virtue, his justice or his mercy or his goodness, but that's just a part, you know, and so I think it takes what Pat said, you have to have some perseverance. You have to have some staying power. You have to trust him to reveal this to you, um, the, the beauty of who he is. So I got, I got to think, well, what David obviously saw this as a key to, to walking through life, dealing with the, especially the hard things because of both sides of this, particular verse he speaks about trials and his confidence in the midst of it and then he also prays about those same things after this particular verse um, and so I thought well what's beautiful to one person may not be beautiful to another person let's just take beauty under the sun for a minute okay um so what what does beauty have to have to be beautiful? Well, it has to be well balanced. It has to have a, a right proportion. Think about these things. It has to have integrity or be pure. It has to also have excellence. It must be attractive. In other words, there's something about whatever you consider beautiful that draws you to it it has it has this ability to draw you in and it has to be pleasant and satisfying it can't be something scary that draws you in it's got to be beautiful it's got to be pleasant and, and satisfying and there are a lot of things that qualify for that um, I don't know what's beautiful to you I like sunsets I'll go outside and walk up the street just to get to see a sunset 
or I'll be on my oh, an, an afternoon walk and I know that the most brilliant time I'm going to be in the wrong place in the neighborhood and all these trees are going to be in the way and you're like, oh, gosh, it's going to be really perfect in three minutes and I'm never going to get there. Our, our rainbows are beautiful because they're so unexpected. Oh, and what about a double rainbow? You know, there, I like sailboats. I think just the form of sailboats on the water are beautiful, especially in a sunset. So I don't know you, what's beautiful to you? Uh, under the sun, the moon. Okay. You like the moon? Waterfalls? I, I, hold that thought. I heard today, yesterday, um, somebody told me that there were more waterfalls in North Carolina than any other state. I don't know whether it's true, but they told me that. The person I could, and, uh, knew. You said baby first, like any baby, but no, it's your grandson. Your grandson is beautiful, right? <laughs> Anybody else? Snow-capped mountains. Snow-capped mountains. They are pretty. You mean when you're standing on top of them or just <laughs> looking from a distance? Yes. I got you. Yes. Tia? So let me qualify this. Tia's had cataract surgery. She can see better, but she's not been really close to a grasshopper's face. <laughs> so that part is not so beautiful, but maybe in the whole, it is. You know. So um, these are these are things that we enjoy, and and so why do we need beauty? Why do we need it? We need it so we will slow down. We'll slow down and enjoy it, right? It calms us in a way. Helps us refocus. And in some kind of way gives us hope, really, if you think about it. It causes you to worship. Well, that's a part of the key, you know, is because we see, like for me, I see a beautiful sunset, and you know, you're you're like, wow, that's beautiful. God, you're so creative. You paint something different every day. It it, but most people never get past the the beauty thing to what's behind it, the creator. Uh, let me just take a, sun, a sunset for an example. Is like 
even with a sunset or a rainbow, do you, do you like, when you see a beautiful sunset, do you sit there and watch the entire thing all the way down to the beautiful blues and grays and purples? Or do, after the brilliant things, oh, okay, that was really nice. And, and we're gone, you know. We do the same thing with God. Go back to Psalm 27, uh, 19. And it's about the confidence. So you see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So you talk about, you know, the, the beauty that you're here. You're, you know, you're on the way. So you go on and you're actually here living. You're still, you know, you're not forsaken from the goodness. That's right. It's here. It's... You need to get with Julie King and she can tell you all about that verse. That's her verse. One of, one of her, one of her hundred verses. Um, but you're right, Jim. Uh, we would despair if we didn't get glimpses of that aspect of who he is. You know, and, and that's when, when Moses asked God to see was it Moses? Yes, Moses asked God to see his glory. Yes. That's what he said, I'll let all my goodness pass before you. And then he proclaims all these things about who he is. So we we need to see that. Uh, or we will despair. Especially those that of us that, you know, he's revealed himself as as the, the, the true light and our salvation. Um Mm-hmm. Right, and it's far enough away that you can enjoy His power. <laughs> right, right. But none of these things really, under the sun, really qualify for true beauty. Because true beauty, lasting beauty, we have to add these following qualities to it. Let me find it in my notes because I don't remember. I want to, I will make sure to give you all of them. It never deceives. True beauty, lasting beauty, never deceives. So there go the diamonds, depending on the motive that was given behind them, right? It never fades. So much for rainbows and sunsets never loses its power, the power to attract you. And it never disappoints. Now there's some high there's some high qualities to have for something to be beautiful, isn't it? And we know there's only one thing that can meet all those, right? So give me the Sunday school answer. What is that? That's right. Jesus. Jesus. So, what would cause you to, to gaze? I'm not talking about glimpsing. I'm talking about to gaze and meditate and inquire on a beauty like that. What would cause you? 
this 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 message has more questions in it than any that I've ever written. <laughs> what would cause you? Mm-hmm. Obsession. Obsession. What would make you obsessed about it? Purity. Purity. In other words, if you see something, if you get a glimpse of something that's altogether beautiful to you, do you not want to come back and see more of it? You, you do. Stare, you want to stare at it forever? Yes. That's, that's the tension we have of all the days of our life living in this place. So... The thing that would cause you to want to meditate and gaze on something like that is because you got a glimpse of it and you want to see more of it, right? You want to see more of it. So, if you knew that, where's the best place to go? Where is the best place to go? No, it's a start, but not quite. That's half of it. You're getting there. He tells you. Yes. Well, where is that? Is that where we're at now? That's only two hours a week. So the things that you thought were beautiful earlier, they can draw you past that to see the Creator. They can even draw you into worship like Lisa was saying. But David tells us the place to get really gaze upon his beauty is in the temple. Wherever that is today. Wherever it is today. You know, Lord, I want you to show me where that is. That I can stay there as much as possible in my life. You know, the, the, one of the beautiful things about Jesus coming to earth, he understands what living here and the responsibilities, because he had responsibilities. Somehow he was able to keep this communion um, we just kind of we're there and we're away we're there and away but, um, so why do we want to be there there are two reasons David gives in verse 4 to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate while we're there and so um you know, um, God's given us two two ways to gaze upon Him. His Word and the person that that Word is about, Jesus Christ. This is this is what this is what God is like. He's like Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reveal to us how He responds. To, to people and to life and that's why reading the gospels over and over and over again putting yourself in that situation trying to understand 
why he spe- speaks this way to one person, that way to one person, why he waits to go here, why he does what he does, um, begins to show us what God is like. Um, he gives us a picture through Christ, through his word. And so gazing and beholding and delighting in where we have to go is his word. We have to take the time to, to read his word, to study his word, and to think about his word. Um, I don't know about you, but studying something that's beautiful, you begin to look at the form and the proportion and the excellence and all these things. And that's what we have to do with God's word. We have to study it that way. We must learn, as many of the Psalms say, Selah. What does that mean? Meditate on this thing. Um, So, we read and we study, but he also says we need to inquire. So there are things about, we read about God that we're like, I don't get that. I don't get that about you. That doesn't seem fair. So where do we go about things like that? To meditate means to inquire. It means to pray. And so we have this thing called study. And in prayer, which involves lots of things, it involves adoration. It involves confession. It involves thanksgiving. It involves supplication, which spells what? A-C-T-T-S. Acts. It's the Acts way of praying. That's one way. So, it's in those places where God will reveal those things about him that you get a glimpse of but don't understand. If he wants to. If he wants to. It's those places where Communion is opening your heart to God and He opening His heart to you as much as we're able and in the measure that we can can take that in. And so this is where we really begin to see the beauty of, of, of the Lord. Um, we can see that His all the attributes of who He is, His justice, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, they all work perfectly in harmony, even though every one of them may be way more than we can comprehend or see. We have to come to appreciate this thing about God is that he has a perfect proportion of how this these things are used in our lives and in the life of the of, of of this earth that we live in, in the midst of all these nations that are confusing to us, all these things about who he is work in perfect proportion and work in harmony. And I think for me, you know, it's it's learning to stay in that place long enough because I mean there are times that I just am I just kind of just break you know when i see god's patience with me or how merciful he's been or just the goodness of his salvation it breaks me but i am seeing 
I am seeing one dimension of his mercy for me rather than seeing who he is. And I think that is where he really desires that we all come to those kind of places as we persevere and stay in that stay in that place with him. Um, you know, Psalm eighty five ten says this about We'll talk about. Well, let me let me read this one first. Psalm eighty nine fourteen, because we need to we need to make sure we get Bill's emphasis in here. Justice and truth are the foundation of his Bill. What is it? Throne. Throne. Justice and truth. That's some pretty heavy pillars, and thank goodness. That God doesn't just relate in justice and truth, but for the the covenant people like us, you know, who have believed on Him, what comes forth from His throne? Yeah, loving kindness and faithfulness. It's further expressed in 85.10, which I mentioned a minute ago. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Righteousness, which is really, if we have it, it's alien. It's not ours, but because of that righteousness, we have peace with God. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to think about. So, the best place to see this beauty is in the secret place. So, I want you to think, Roger, you don't, you don't interrupt me if I get something wrong here. But <laughs> the secret place, the most holy place is the Holy of Holies, right? In the temple. God's presence was presence was found above what? There was a seat there called the mercy seat. And so, you know, if you'll permit me, there there's God and there's mercy, and then there are these three things under it that represent um, what he's called his people to and what he expects. There's the law. There's the rod that budded, which talks about the authority, his chosen authority. And there's a jar of manna that speaks of his faithfulness to care for his people, even when they were rebelling. Now, who most feels those three things? Sunday school answer, Jesus. He is. He fulfilled the law. There's no higher priest than the high priest. That's the authority. And he told us when he was on the earth that he is the he is the bread. He is the bread that God sent to give us really life. And so to gaze upon Christ, to understand the sacrifice the cross does not seem like it'd be something that would be beautiful. But that act 
in 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 a in a kind of a strange way. I mean, I've always wondered why in Isaiah, you know, it says it pleased God to crush him, for it would bring many to him. And so, in a way, the beauty that it brought forth in that God could call His people to Himself because of what Jesus did uh, has has a sense of a beauty to it. Jesus, as we gaze upon Him, He'll never deceive. His authority, everything about Him will never fade. We'll never lose power, never lose power to attract us. Only the hard places in our heart cause us to stumble at times. And he'll never disappoint. So, David said, this is the key, this is the place, and this is why we need to behold the beauty of God because as much as we grasp it, then... Because things happen in life, in the day of trouble, we can be assured He's going to hide us. He's going to put us in that secret place. For in the day of trouble, He will hide us. He will lift us up. And and our heads will be lifted up above our enemies. Um, I'm going to talk about one person really quick, and then I'm going to close. This does not seem to meet verses 5 and 6. But I think if you think about it long enough, to the, to the eye, it doesn't. But to me, there's no place that God upholds these two verses than Stephen. <laughs> Stephen being stoned. It says this. He gazed intently into heaven. And saw the glory of God. Glory really means magnificent beauty. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now that's a man, even though he was dying, was raised up above his enemies. His head, and he was definitely on a rock. An unshakable rock of confidence and no fear of what was happening to him because he, in God's grace, had opened the heavens for him to see that beauty. And so I think, you know, as we, as we'll, as we'll just build an altar, if we'll build an altar of worship in Bible study and prayer and wait, God will meet us. God will meet us in that place. And He's longing for a people as we move ahead in an uncertain world that will wait on Him. That will come to understand not only what He's wanting to reveal about Himself to them personally, but they'll begin to understand the signs of the times and know what to do. The nice thing about God is um, these attributes of His, He wants His people to display. Does He not call us to be holy? To reflect His holiness? Does He call us not to 
show forth his glory, to tell of his glories. Well, he also wants us to reflect that beauty. So I want to end with this one verse out of um, Psalm 90, <coughs> verse 17. It's, it's the end of a prayer by Moses. And there's, the, there's an alternate word. It's, it's, it has to do with us and us reflecting that kind of beauty. Your Bible will say, let the favor of the Lord God, our God be, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. The alternate word there is beauty. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. For what reason? Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It really means to direct the work of our hands. God has good works for us to perform. Some Bibles say to give permanence to the work of our hands. Wouldn't you like the things that you set your hand and heart to, your life to, to have some some permanence? Wouldn't you like to see established and not washed away by enemies or circumstances or whatever? The beauty of the Lord be <coughs> upon us individually and as a church and direct the work of our hands. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we, we see these high things. There's a part of our hearts that cry out for them. Even as David said, as he said, I'll cry out to you, Lord. Lord, and you said to come and seek your face. And he said he would come. Lord, let us be a people that does that. Let us be a people, Father, that make time and make a way for you. Lord, what else is more important? Where else do we go, Father, for truth and knowledge, for security, for love, other than you? Father, I just pray for us as a people that you would draw us ever closer to you. Lord, give us willing hearts to obey you, to show forth your beauty in Jesus' name. Amen.